So today's crazy because unfortunately I, I didn't realize I'm on call today uh, for our group. So I have to do a surgery soon and then I have another patient that I have to run and go see. But welcome to Gross Anatomy. Welcome. I'm Lauren Taylor. And I'm Dr. Jason Cohen. And this is where we discuss the sights, smells, and sounds of medicine and how it relates to social media, entertainment movies, TV, and whatnot, and hopefully questions from you guys, which have been trickling in at best. But last week, we had a lot of fun. We had um, a good friend of mine, Mark Feuerstein, uh, come in, and we talked about TV doctors, because oddly enough, he's been a TV doctor. Before we go any further, I need to apologize or make a credit or a, what do you call it, a... Um, uh, a correction. Correction. <laughs> I need to make a correction in that we had said that Mark was our first guest, and he by no means was our first guest. Actually, our first guest was my wife, Bernice, who's a nurse injector, who's amazing, and that was so thrilling. Um, and then we even had another guest, my friend Dr. Peter Pressman, was our second guest, and we talked about um, uh, the opioid crisis, and, and that was a fantastic topic. So Mark was by no means our First guest, he was our third guest, but he was our first celebrity guest, and 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 it was great having him. And uh, I think we learned a lot. But interestingly, what we forgot to discuss or kind of only touched upon was concierge medicine. And there's my speech impediment: concierge medicine, um, which we forgot to talk about. Um, which was basically the show that he was on, Royal Pains. He played this concierge doctor who. Um, it, it, it And he was kind of a MacGyver kind of doctor, but the whole premise of concierge medicine, um, which is becoming more and more, more and more and more and more and more and more popular, is that you pay these doctors different amounts of money to kind of be your on-call doctor at all times. And there are different levels of concierge medicine from and different levels of access that you could get from these doctors. In, in Mark's case in this TV show, Royal Pains, he was the, this, I think this, he was the doctor to the single patient and just, I, I, do you know, Lauren? Yeah, like in the Hamptons, he worked for the rich patients, but he also helped out the poor patients. I watched a few episodes. It, it, at least what I was watching, he really seemed like, he only had one patient. Yeah, he had like a main guy that was... Right. Yeah. So that's like super concierge. Mm -hmm. And that may exist too. In, in fact, I've had the ability to go to a foreign country to kind of be a concierge doctor with a relative of a head of a country to take care of a surgical problem. And that was pretty amazing and really cool. And I got to see a lot of stuff. But that, I think, is not the norm. You know, the kind of concierge doctor that Mark was. What's funny to me, though, about concierge medicine is that one of the reasons I went into medicine was I thought my pediatrician was this great role model. And what I loved about it is he made house calls and he was available 24-7, it seemed like. My parents had a problem. We called Dr. Weber and we went to Dr. Weber. Or if I was too sick to go to the doctor, Dr. Weber would show up. I'd be laying in my parents' bed and take care of me. That was a concierge doctor. Well, because of medicine today... Unfortunately, that kind of doctor really doesn't exist anymore um, because there's 
too many demands on your typical regular doctor between the amount of paperwork and administrative work. Um, doctors really don't have that ability in that time and everybody complains and you hear about this doctor spent five minutes with me and that's all I did. Um, so to some degree, what concierge medicine is, it's really a going back to the old ways of how doctors used to practice, but due to, um, how much insurance reimburses and, and the unfortunate realities of the financial aspect of medicine, concierge doctors today, what they do is they have limited number of patients. They don't have a full patient load. And the way they do that is they charge a premium to be able to provide access to these doctors um, so that patients on different levels, they may have their cell phone, they may be go on a trip with them, you know, all levels of care. Um, and that's today what concierge medicine is, which is basically going, trying to go back to the old ways of medicine and still be able to make a living. If today a doctor wanted to not charge that kind of premium and be a concierge medicine, he wouldn't be able to, he or she would not be able to survive. You know, it would be financially not doable. Yeah, we had a family doctor and he had to close up his shop because he just said it wasn't financially viable. And he used to be just like that. He used to, you know, like people would always just come in, call. He loved talking to people and he just couldn't, he was, just couldn't sustain the cost anymore. Your family doctor stopped. So what is yeah, he doing? And that was in Oklahoma where things are a lot, you know, cheaper, but. Right. You would think in Oklahoma that. That would be okay. Yeah, his wife... Do they have, like, electricity in Oklahoma? Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. His wife made money, and he just thought it was... Uh, he was getting older, and he just couldn't... He just said it didn't make financial sense anymore. And wow. he felt bad about it, and all his patients felt bad, but... Right. Like you said, that's when I first realized there was a big problem. There is a big problem. And, you know, just as an aside, it's one of the myths of doctors, you know, that everybody thinks these days doctors are so rich, and, and the reality is, is... Doctors can make a living, but it's certainly not an amazing living. And these days it's comparable to any worker, you know, in terms of really what a doctor's making, unless they're working the equivalent of three jobs in terms of hours, really, to make it work. You know, I, I run this pre-med group, uh, and we meet every Wednesday before this, and we were talking about one of the students was telling about his shadowing experience, and he said that the doctors that he was shadowing only saw one patient that day, but they spent a boatload of time that day doing paperwork and charting. And the this student was amazed at that much charting and paperwork that these doctors require. And it's really true. It's gotten out of hand, the amount of charting and paperwork and documentation that we need to do today. Well, even you. I mean, how many people are in your administration just for your doctors? A lot. A lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So a concierge doctor, what is, is that like mainly what celebrities have, you think? Like, does Beyonce just have a private doctor that's just for her? So there are some doctors who, like, get paid by a hospital who are able to kind of do the concierge medicine thing because they're just on a salary by the hospital and being okay compensated. So um, I don't know what Beyonce has, um, but there are definitely some celebrities uh, or just wealthy people who could afford to pay it who do the concierge medicine thing. But then there are... You know, I know some of doc, some doctors have kind of um, changed their practice a little bit, limited the number of patients they're seeing a little bit, and maybe just charge a little extra premium to kind of be more available. That that just the regular person, if they're willing to, 
you know, for the price that they pay for a cell phone a year, they could have a doctor available if they want, probably cheaper than the price they pay for a cell phone a year. They could have more access to a doctor. And a lot of doctors are doing that kind of thing, like a diff- a lesser tier of a concierge medicine thing. And then do you work with concierge doctors? Like if you have a patient and needs surgery from you yeah. for specific like thyroid cancer, say, yeah. is there, can you tell a difference when you work with them? Well, the concierge doctor, yeah. So I do work with some concierge doctors, and then I work with a lot of doctors who kind of try to give a concierge level of care. And then my group, we we surgeons, um, we really, while we're not concierge doctors, we really try in terms of paying a premium to see us. We really try to be concierge doctors in terms of old-fashioned level of care. Uh, and there are some patients we'll give our cell phones out to, and there's some patients rarely we'll even make house calls to and, and different things like that. Um, but there is a difference in care, and not so much in level of care, but there's a difference in level of attention. I mean, there's some patients I have who have the concierge doctor, that patient goes to the ER for anything, that concierge doctor shows up. No matter what time, that concierge doctor is in the ER with that patient, even if it's not a, a what's-it-called problem, they're calling me if the patient needs a surgery, and they're there, you know, making sure everything gets taken care of, which is pretty interesting and pretty cool. Nice. Yeah. Doesn't it annoy you? Does it annoy me? Yeah. That that doctor's there yeah. or that they're getting paid really well? <laughs> A little bit of both, maybe. No, I actually like having them there because that way some of the headachey stuff that I don't want to take care of, the administrative stuff, they're willing, they're more than willing to deal with and do. So it's a little bit of a help and helping coordinate other stuff I don't have to worry about doing. So that's nice. Does it annoy me that doctors are getting paid more than I am to do basically things that I do consider myself doing all the time? Yeah, that upsets me a little bit. Um, but so does the whole financial aspect of medicine. It's it's a little depressing um, in terms of the way things seem to be trending. Um, and is there any difference? Is, are things getting any better? Or is it getting worse? Things are getting worse, but things are changing so much so that I think it's going to be like a public school, private school kind of scenario. So patients uh, or like if you can't. Uh, uh, afford a lawyer, the court will appoint you a lawyer. But then if you could afford a lawyer, you could pay for your big time lawyer. And I think it's going to kind of turn into medicine is going to turn into public school, private school or court appointed lawyer and, you know, other lawyer. And I think that's what medicine's going to be. So there's not even a middle class in medicine. Maybe. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. It's interesting. To check out Bernice's episode, Dr. Cohen's wife, and she talks all about Botox and fillers, and it's very educational. It is episode four. You can go to grossanatomypodcast.com and take a listen, or you can find it on iTunes or SoundCloud. You know, the interesting thing about that is that that was stemmed by the reason why we had that talk was it had to do with, I think we were talking about Kylie Jenner and her lips and everything. Yes, she got the filler out. Right. But I heard on the radio today or this week or something that the Kardashians are like ridiculously some of the richest people in the world for doing nothing. And that as a doctor frustrates me. That depresses me just as a human being. Yeah, I guess so. (laughs) To be honest. And then we also did an interview with Dr. Peter Pressman. If you'd like to check that out, it's um, episode five. On opioid addiction. Yes. Thanks, Lauren. Thank you. Thanks for joining us on a very recapped short 
but sweet episode of Gross Anatomy with the telephone ringing in the back. (laughs) Send in your questions. That's it for this week. Thanks for listening to Gross Anatomy and be sure to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes so you can check out more episodes on the evolving sights, smells, and sounds of medicine.